0: See you soon. Yes, sir. There he goes. The great hardball Harge. Hanging with Harge every weekday from 11 to noon. Right here on Texas Sports Unfiltered. And yes, on this day, six years ago, we lost the great Sean Adams. Trey, I still remember exactly where I was when I got the call from you on this day. Six years ago, I was in Los Angeles Hanging out on the beach by myself, getting ready for that Texas-USC game. Sean was supposed to be making his way out to Los Angeles for that matchup that weekend. And uh, I got the call, and I'll never forget it, man. Sean meant a ton to me. Uh, I I mentioned this on the morning show with Buck earlier today, that he and Chip were the guys that gave me my first real big break in this business. The first full-time job I ever had in sports radio was producing the bottom line with Sean and Chip. And uh, those guys took a chance on, you think I'm a jabroni now. Imagine what I was going into my senior year of college. My God, I was a shithead, dude. And they uh, were willing to give me the opportunity of a lifetime to get to work with them. And uh, forget the work stuff. More importantly, they gave me the opportunity to be friends with them. And, uh, man, Sean became a dear friend very, very quickly. And I still think about that dude just about every single day. He meant a lot to me. I know he meant a lot to you, Trey. And he obviously meant a ton to a ton of people uh, in Central Texas with what he was able to accomplish over the course of his life. I need to preface this by saying I don't have near the history that you or
1: Harge does. But the little bit of time that I got to hang around, Sean, I don't know if we ever actually worked together. But there was a point where I was booking him as a guest on shows at 1300 The Zone some, gosh, 15-plus years ago, 15 to 20 years ago. And he was always the nicest guy. You know this, BK, because you've been on both sides of the proverbial booth, if you will. You've obviously hosted a ton, but you've also done a lot in the way of producing. Not every guest that you speak with, shows a level of respect for the producer. Sean always did, but that's just because that's how he treated people. He was just one of those genuinely good-to-everyone individuals, and I'm jealous of that as somebody who isn't always my most pleasant self to folks, and perhaps I bring on some of these Curb Your Enthusiasm situations, but I admire that when I'm around it on others. You, You are definitely a version of that, too.
0: Uh Uh-oh, I can't hear you. Can you hear me now? Now I can. What did I do? What did you do? What did I do? I didn't do do anything differently, so I'm just glad it,
1: or maybe it is my (laughs) my Wi-Fi again.
0: Uh, It's either your rectum or my rectum that isn't working. Oh, now we're we're talking about spectrum. Uh, I should probably clear that one up. Well, that's a way to make a touching tribute, not as touching. Well done, BK. (laughs)
1: what midday with trey and bk does
0: <laughs> yeah but uh no my, my heart goes out to to his family i mean we lost him way too soon 46 is is way too young and uh he did a lot for the community and obviously he entertained and informed people on these airwaves for a number of years in this city so uh yeah great dude great dude man and uh it sucks that he's gone and it's crazy that it's been six years since that uh, unfaithful day man 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 All right, uh, so yeah, we'll take your comments and your texts. If you've got any tributes for Sean Adams, we would uh, love to hear from you guys. Uh, I'm sure Chip will will say something too during Chip and Zay from 1 to 3 a little bit later. We've got a loaded midday show today, though. Sam Kahn, who covers college football for The Athletic, he's going to join us in about five minutes to talk about the Longhorns, to talk about the Aggies, the Red Raiders, the Baylor Bears. He focuses on the state of Texas, so we'll kind of go around the state with Sam and also hit a few of the big national college football stories as we get closer and closer to week three of the college football season. Uh, Aaron Rodgers thinks he's God. He might think he's bigger and better than God. We'll tell you what we mean by that. We've got another edition of Where Are We At in Society coming up as well. We are jam-packed today and we'll start off with some Texas football news. Right? Steve Sarkeesian uh, maybe just wrapped up speaking on campus and it's his final press conference, of course, before this weekend's tilt against Wyoming. He was asked about C.J. Baxter, and Steve Sarkeesian said C.J. Baxter is a game-time decision with that ankle injury he suffered late in the fourth quarter against Alabama. So it's not the rib. It's the ankle. It's not the shoulder. It's the ankle. And Sark sounded relatively optimistic about C.J. Baxter on Monday, saying it was better than we thought Uh, We'll see if C.J. Baxter plays, but it doesn't sound like, regardless of if he plays on Saturday, doesn't sound like something that's going to uh, be sidelining C.J. Baxter for very long. You know, can you get away with sitting him this
1: weekend? Like sometimes these things need a little bit of time to heal, and C.J. Baxter, (laughs) he doesn't have the not run hard option inside his brain. So for somebody like that, and I still believe that it was a shoulder injury that he suffered versus Rice. He was running insanely hard at the beginning of the Alabama game, but ran into a couple of shots that defensive players provided on him. And it was just a, a collision, like a traffic accident. The first couple times he was running the football or catching it and then running after the catch, that I feel like it did slow him up throughout the course of the game. So let's believe that that running back room without C.J. Baxter can still help you win this game on Saturday and give him a week before conference play gets going.
0: Yeah, I'm with you, man. Texas is a 29.5-point favorite as of right now in this game on Saturday. You shouldn't need C.J. Baxter I get it. You don't want to have the mindset of taking an opponent lightly. And that's obviously what some Texas fans are worried about, right? The hangover following the huge win against a top three team in their house. You come back, you're playing a G5 team. It's the game between Bama and the start of conference play. I get that there are some folks worried that, uh, you know, Texas might look a little sluggish on Saturday, but still, man, it's, it's Wyoming. Yeah, You should be able to beat these guys with Jonathan Brooks, with Jaden Blue, with Keelan Robinson. It's not like C.J. Baxter is the only good running back that Texas has. They've got plenty of talent in that running back room. Hell, I think Jonathan Brooks right now is the best running back that Texas has, so I wouldn't mind seeing him get uh, plenty of run on Saturday. Yeah, I, I, I think that's the move, man, because you want C.J. Baxter for some of the bigger games you have in conference play later in the season, I am fully on board with uh, being a little over-cautious. Maybe he's not going to be cleared anyway, so there's no decision that Sark has to make. But even if he is cleared, I'm cool with being over-cautious just to make sure he's as close to 100% for the Baylor game next weekend as possible.
1: Yeah, so do you think we see a little bit of a letdown here in a few nights at DKR? Um, Not not to say that Texas is going to lose this game, although I guess that's on the table if you want to go there. But uh, I do feel like we see Texas not as laser-focused as they were last weekend, and I don't want to excuse it necessarily, but to quote the great Chris Wall- Rock, I would understand.
0: Yeah. He's the first guy who said that,
1: huh? Uh, he said it in a way that is more profound than anybody else. <laughs> yeah. That that I've is, heard it come in life.
0: That is fair. That is fair. Yeah, I mean, it. I guess it depends on your definition of letdown, right? Like. Would it be a letdown if Texas wins by 28 and they don't cover the 29 and a half? Well, for some people's cousins, yeah, that'd be a bit of a letdown. Uh, for me, that would not be a letdown. Like, that's still considered taking care of business in my book. Um, it's funny. Sark mentioned this earlier, and we'll obviously have cuts to play during our show tomorrow and during all of the shows tomorrow here on Texas Sports Unfiltered. But apparently, Quinn Ewers texted Sark and asked if he could have a players-only meeting Tuesday before practice, basically, to tell the guys that we need our mindset to be right and we can't let our foot off the gas. So, you don't often have players only meetings after wins, especially wins as monumental as the one Texas had. But Quinn Ewers thinking the way that maybe a lot of folks out there, like, hey, this could be a letdown spot for the Longhorns. Ewers got the players together and was basically like, we can't do that. We've got to make sure that we have that same mindset, same work ethic, same mentality that we had going into Bama, going into every other game the rest of the way.
1: Normally, players-only meetings leave a sour taste in my mouth because it is happening at a point in the year where things are going off the rails. But I'm with you here, dude. The fact that this is happening after achieving what you did just a few short days ago, I'm a big fan of this. And it is instilling a little bit more confidence in me that Quinn Ewer's is a dude and that the play on the field is being matched by his willingness to really step into a leadership role. You heard stories this summer about him insisting the guys stay out there for another couple of reps because he didn't want to end on a negative note. And so I think this just puts another exclamation point on the possibility that Quinn is – the real deal is a player and also the real deal is a leader, too.
0: You weren't sure that Quinn Ewers was a dude? Uh, you thought he was a, a woman maybe before this players-only meeting? A dude in the figurative sense. A dude who uh,
1: can accomplish some really special things at college and beyond as a football player.
0: Got it. Okay, so women cannot accomplish special things. It's the dudes who have to. Am I following? In college football,
1: yes, women are not. Well, they're not dudes, but they also can't be the dude. I'm sorry that hurt your feelings. I'm not sorry because I feel bad about saying that. I'm sorry that it's hard for you to wrap your head around that, and that's not a shot at women. That's just Mm. making a basic biological statement about the difference between men and women when it comes to athletics. Sorry about that, Sarah Fuller, Vanderbilt kicker. Hey, look, Katie Nida at Colorado is another Uh. good example although yep. that's also a, a weird example
0: too if you really <laughs> want to dig <think> deep <laughs> oh man yeah dude I like Quinn Ewers's leadership in all seriousness was a point of contention for some Texas fans going into the year and after the Rice game like there are people asking if this dude's a good enough player number one but also a good enough leader to be the best option for Texas at quarterback this year and he obviously shut a lot of people up and proved a lot of doubters wrong with what he did in Tuscaloosa but he's not like, I'll be honest. I want my quarterback to be the most rah-rah guy in the locker room. I do. It's not necessary, though. It's not. There have been plenty of great quarterbacks, both as QBs and as leaders, who aren't the most talkative guys in that locker room. Quinn Ewers is not the most talkative guy. Like, that's that's obvious. You can be a really good leader and a really good football player, even if you aren't the rile the troops up type of guy. And I think Quinn Ewers kind of proved that with his play on Saturday. And I think doing something like this, like, that also proves the type of leadership that Quinn Ewers has. And that also goes to the maturity of Quinn Ewers. Right? He's not doing stuff like this last year. There's no chance he's doing anything close to this last year. But that shows you that he realizes the importance of this season, of course, to him, but also to the team. And look, he's smart enough to know that a loss this weekend and, well, everything that you just accomplished, all of the good grace that you built up with that win at Alabama goes completely by the wayside.
1: That's right. And by the way, the leadership wasn't as necessary last year, too. Maybe it leads to a little bit more personal accountability. But Roshan and Bijan had that covered. And some guys on the defensive side had that covered, too. So I'm sure that Sark and others had conversations with him about him playing a position where some level of leadership is necessary. But I think he also looked at that as there being a potential void there. And so he not only wanted to help with what he's able to do, under center or i guess a little bit behind center in modern college football uh, but to also work on the leadership side of things as well absolutely hey
0: our next guest is here joining us right now on the unsponsored hotline video (laughs) line i'm not even sure what we call this here the great sam khan who covers college football in the state of texas for the athletic sam thanks for joining the show brother how are you today I'm good. How are you guys? Oh man, we are fantastic. Really appreciate you uh, spending a few minutes with us today. So we were obviously just talking about Texas's big win over Alabama. Before we maybe talk about the rest of the year for the Longhorns, we'd love to get your thoughts, Sam, on what you saw from Texas in Tuscaloosa last Saturday night.
2: Yeah, I saw a team that is supremely talented and disciplined and clean and just unlike any Texas team I think I've seen. Uh, really, in the last decade, honestly. I mean, something certainly the best I've seen in the post-Mac Brown era uh, to go on the road and get a win like that. And not, and it wasn't a fluky win. It was a win where they won on the line of scrimmage. They were clean offensively with no pre-snap penalties. And then the thing that I think stood out to me most was that when there was that point in the game in the second half where Alabama reclaimed a lead, and in the past I think you've seen times where Texas has really not been able to finish, they kind of put the pedal to the metal and they kept going right at Alabama, being aggressive, uh, attacking, continuing to attack them downfield and really finish them off and then be able to run the ball at the end of the game when everyone knew they were going to run the ball and, and put them away. It, it wasn't as impressive a win as I've seen in quite some time for Texas. And, and it really, to me, signified that this building job that Steve Sarkeesian has done in, in three years here in terms of building this roster, getting this program back on track. It's taken some time, but the fruits of the labor are actually starting to show. And now we're looking at a team that I think is a serious factor in the national conversation. Did you not believe
1: that before this weekend, Sam, The Texas maybe had a chance to win a Big 12 championship, but we're on the outside looking in uh, on that national playoff picture?
2: Yeah, I thought coming in that they were the Big 12 title team. Certainly I picked them as, you know, 10 and 2 win the big 12 championship that's that's that was where i pegged them and and figured i figured one of the two losses would be at alabama just and, and the funny thing is is after the rice game i was still not really certain because we saw some of the deep ball accuracy issues were still there lingering at least in that for a little bit in that rice game protection miscommunications and, and issues up front that kind of made you wonder a little bit uh, because they struggled so much with rice's front and you know it's a first game and you know, it's hard to scout for a team when when they've been game planning for you for six months. But it just, it, it left enough doubt in my mind that I was like, is this team really going to go do it? And once they did it, now to me, there's really no question that they can go to the playoff, not just win the conference, but go to the playoff. They're going to have to avoid stubbing their toe more than once the rest of the way. I think a 12-1 and Big 12 champion gets in. So, so as long as they can avoid two hiccups the rest of the way I think they're they're in good shape but that's ultimately what becomes a test for this team is staying disciplined and making sure you don't have a day where you just come out and it, and it doesn't work early on but you don't find a way to climb out of that hole because they're gonna they're gonna have it it's the big 12 and I know the big 12 is not as good right now as it has seemed in the last few years but the, these are 18 to 23 year olds there's gonna be a day where they're gonna come out and things are just gonna be a little bit rough it's a matter of can you bounce back from that can you go ahead and pull yourself out of it and finish a game? And so this Alabama game made me a believer that, yeah, the only thing standing in the way of Texas going to the playoff is Texas.
0: Sam Kahn Jr. of The Athletic is joining us right now here on Midday with Trey and DK on Texas Sports Unfiltered. Sam going from the Longhorns to the Aggies. Uh, boy, I mean, AM look looked good in week one, and they get another opportunity against Miami. Of course, a team that they beat in College Station last year, and they completely fall apart in the second half there. Uh, what are your expectations for AM this year, and how hot is that seat for Jimbo Fisher right now?
2: Yeah, it's certainly warming up. It, it's very much a, a source of frustration for that fan base because after the five and seven year, we're in year six now. And Jimbo Fisher has been given everything that you need to contend at a high level. They've got all the facilities. They've got the financial backing. They've got the fan support. They've got the NIL. They've got everything. They've got the talent. They've recruited four straight top 10 classes and then last year a a class that ranked 15th. But they have one of the most talented rosters in the country. And to play the way they did against Miami, to struggle to stop anybody to struggle to get a pass rush when yeah. Texas A&M has probably recruited the defensive line better than just about anybody in the country the last two, three years, and they can't get a pass rush. And so the the only question that you have or the only conclusion you can come to is that it's a coaching issue because you watch, you look at the team lineup and you look at how they look when they're out there and they're not missing anything from a roster standpoint. So it comes down to coaching. It comes down to, uh, the guys who are at the top who are getting paid the big bucks, and that there it is, it is a big source of frustration. And so I, I looked at this team as coming into the year, if things break right, maybe they could be a nine and three team. Maybe they could be a ten and two team. After losing to Miami, I mean, you could be looking at eight and four team, maybe even seven and five, depending on how how this SEC schedule shakes out. I, I don't, I don't have a lot of confidence in the staff as it sits right now, just because. They haven't shown me. They have ever since 2020, when when the Jimbo had his one really good year, they haven't really shown me anything that instills confidence that they're gonna finish this year strong. They had the eight and four year in 2021. They, of course, they beat Alabama, but there was a lot of games that they lost that they shouldn't have. And then last year, of course, was a disaster going five and seven. So to me, Texas A&M is very much in a prove it to me mode where I'm not buying in on them having any kind of real bounce back year. And I say bounce back, meaning contending for the sec West until they can prove to me that they can actually win and play good football at a consistent level. Sam, let's stick in the sec. Just how surprised are you that two weeks
1: into the season, we're all asking ourselves that this is the rare down year for the sec
2: for everyone, maybe except for Georgia. Yeah, it's weird. And I was just talking about this with a friend of mine yesterday. It's, who is really in the conference that really impresses you at this point? You know, Georgia is, is the reigning two-time champ, and they, they have a ton of talent. And the thing is, is Georgia's not going to really get tested at any point because uh, their schedule is just not it, – it's not what you would hope for for, uh, for for a team that's coming off back-to-back titles. But, you know, in the SEC West, Alabama clearly has a lot of question marks. The, the way they got beat at the line of scrimmage, uh, you have some quarterback questions. Uh, just not not being able to finish. So you have some questions about Alabama, LSU's loss early in the season. The way they looked against FSU leaves you a lot of questions. Uh, and then beyond that, I don't think there's any team in that in that division that's dominant. Auburn didn't look great against Cal last week. And then on the other side, you got Georgia, but Florida hasn't looked great so far. The the one interesting one that I'm keeping my eye on in in the SEC is Tennessee. Uh, they they have Florida this weekend. And I'm curious to see how that goes. If Tennessee goes in there and and, and puts that one away early or or they have a dominant performance, that's one I'm keeping an eye on just because uh, I do think they still have a lot of talent. I do like Joe Milton. You'd like him to be a little bit better, uh, more accurate downfield, but he's got a tremendous talent. I love the offense and doesn't look like to me, even with some mistakes early on in their first two games, I don't see any fatal flaws in them. I, I like their defensive front. I like how well, well, well machine their offense is. And the, even with the OC change, they haven't really seemed to miss a beat in terms of tempo and, and pace. So they're the one I'm keeping an eye on, I think in the SEC East. But yeah, this is not a, this is not a year where you look at the SEC and say, Oh, you're going to get two playoff teams out of it. Uh, I, I think this is, this is a year where right now. It, it looks like the conference is a little bit underwhelming. Sam, not
0: only do you cover college football, you cover recruiting as well for The Athletic, and you put together a really good piece about Micah Hudson. Now, I kind of hated it because I wanted him to commit to Texas. (laughs) It's not you, it's me, sort of deal. Uh, But your thoughts? Look, Texas Tech has been one of the most underwhelming teams in college football to this point. And obviously, Hudson committed earlier this week following Tech, losing that game to Oregon to drop to 0-2. Uh, your thoughts on him and, and do you feel like this is a recruitment that could change or because of what you researched and who you talked to do you kind of feel like Micah Hudson is going to Lubbock regardless of how this year plays out for them
2: yeah it's funny because coming into this week uh, I think after his last week that he had talked in an interview about potentially visiting other schools and maybe taking his decision to signing day and then he ups and commits after their second loss of the season so to me that kind of signals to me that he probably is not going to move off of his tech commitment, but that said, we're talking about teenagers, and and I've covered this long enough to know that that never say never until they sign a the letter of intent. Yeah. Uh, and 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 who knows what direction tech season goes? You know, they're zero and two right now. Could they bounce back? You know, possibly. But what if they don't? What 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 if this ends up being a down year? Does that factor into his decision? I will say that the the, the timing of his commitment to me suggests. That, that relationship is really strong. That, that Texas Tech staff led by Joey McGuire, uh, James Blanchard, Justin Johnson, the receivers coach, Brian Nance, the director of scouting, who's really the one who Mike is closest with. All those all those guys have done a terrific job in building and maintaining this relationship. And we heard a lot of buzz right after his official visit there when he officially visited Tech and then he canceled his visit to Texas the next week. Oh, that there was a commitment coming. And, and I, I would tell you that the, the coaches at Tech were convinced that that commitment was coming within a matter of days, if not weeks. And then a couple months passed and here we are in September and nothing's happened. But Joey McGuire was talking to him every day and the guys at Tech were still talking to him every day. So that 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 bond and that level of communication never really dropped off. And I think that ended up paying off in this instance and and what helped them land the commitment. Uh, and he he seems like a different kid to me. He seems just like a kid that is not really, it, like certainly he's, played the social media game very well and he's uh, I think played with the fan base's feelings a little bit oh, yeah. uh, to some degree. He's, he's a really sharp kid but I don't necessarily find him as one that's necessarily looking for a lot of splash and flash and hype and so I, I don't if he turns this into a spectacle close into signing day I would I would really be surprised by that uh, but again uh, he's a teenager and you never really know so, so I, it's one you keep an eye on but right now I think tech should feel pretty comfortable at least for the next month or
1: two boy if he's not looking for flash or hype he better understand who his head coach is about to be as well. <laughs> i like joey a lot but man joe joey is a uh he is a carnival barker at times about things as uh, plenty of people found out this off season hey sam i'm curious to know your take on the big 12 on the whole right now certainly not a stretch to say texas is one and kansas state is two do you see things that way right now and if so you have as the third, fourth, and fifth best teams in this conference.
2: Yeah, that, that's the way I see it, and that's kind of the way I saw it coming in. I, I think those are the two teams that we're going to see playing for the Big Twelve championship in Arlington. I think K State, when, when you saw what they brought back from an offensive line standpoint, obviously the starting quarterback, they've got some continuity a little bit on that defensive staff. Uh, so, and, and Chris Kleiman, I think, has done a really good job there. So. Uh, they, to me, seem like uh, they're really a favorite to get back to the game. And then Texas obviously is in, in the pole position right now. Uh, then The next best team, I think it's hard to suss through it at this point, but well, can I say Oklahoma? Yeah, but I wasn't super impressed by what I saw uh, when they played SMU last week. That was a 14-11 game in the fourth quarter. So makes you a little concerned about, about where they sit. Uh, I do like what I see from Kansas right now. If Jalen Daniels can stay healthy, I I think Kansas has got a shot to make a little noise in this conference. They they have really, I love their coaching staff. I love their offensive coordinator. Their, their offensive scheme is something that keeps uh, opposing teams really off balance. Uh, so, so they're a team that I'm certainly going to keep an eye on, but I I think just from a pure talent standpoint, until Oklahoma loses a game, I, I will probably peg them as third right now.
0: Sam, last thing from me, what's up with Baylor? I mean, we're talking about a team that won 12 games two years ago and was playing in a New Year's Six Bowl, and I kind of thought that last year was a little bit of a fluke and they'd be able to figure some things out, but they got worked by Texas State in week one, and then they completely collapsed in the last couple of minutes against Utah this past Saturday. Are they going to make a bowl game this year?
2: You know, it's funny because you come into the season, they had eight home games, and you you thought – looking at that schedule this is a really good opportunity for a bounce back year for them yeah. they brought back their starting quarterback uh they they've uh, they're now in year three of their offensive scheme with jeff grimes and they outfitted uh, some better skill position talent through the transfer portal randa started going a little bit more uh focused on the portal than he had in the past which he rarely really used it before so he said okay you could see some pieces there and then they open up and it wasn't like a game against Texas State that they just lost on the last second field goal and it was that it was like a fluke. It was, they got outplayed. And if you had, if you hadn't changed, if you had given them neutral uniforms and removed the logos and asked me which team was the power five team and which one was the group of five team, I would have guessed that Texas State was. Just the way the edge that they played with and the, the speed that gave Baylor trouble was a little concerning. Now, Baylor came out with a lot better energy in week two against Utah and they looked a lot better in the first half, but then down the stretch struggled to, to take care of the football, you know, threw a pick late. And I, I just don't see with Baylor right now, I don't see the level of talent that I saw two years ago when they won the big 12, they had six guys on that roster. They went to the NFL draft and there was a lot of, of speed and physicality on that roster. And I just don't see it at that same level right now. So yeah, I have a lot of questions about Baylor. They have lost guys. Go back to last year. They have lost six games in a row. Mm. The last four of last year and the first two so far this year. Um. That is really troubling for Baylor. And the thing is, is I thought I, I thought they had done a really good job of of reconstructing that staff, and and I thought they were in store for a bounce back year. But gosh, they. They're gonna. Have, they're probably gonna get a win this week against Long Island. But when they go into Austin, uh, I can't remember if they're going into Austin or if that game's back in uh, Waco. I think it's Waco. But yeah. that that home game that they against against Texas in Week Four, buddy, the way Texas looks, I, I, I have a hard time thinking Baylor's gonna keep that one close. They just just the way they're playing right now. And so unless something changes in the next couple of weeks, and and they can recapture some of the verve and, and some of the energy and, and, and liveliness that i've seen from that team what we saw in 2021 then, then i struggle to think that this team is going to be a real factor in this conference this year all
1: right last one from me sam i know you talked about georgia and them being a potentially flawed team they are still number one right now texas has certainly put itself in this conversation too with the win over alabama who do you think the best team is right now in college football
2: Yeah, I guess with the champs, you have to stick with Georgia for now. But to me, I'm not very much in the, once we start playing games, I want to give you credit for what you've done. And right now, Texas has the best win. So I I see there is an argument for Texas being number one. But Georgia's the champ. They won it two years in a row, and they got a lot of talent. So if you want to put them number one, I'm totally fine with that. I I can get with that argument. But I will tell you this. If those two played on neutral field today, I think it'd be really interesting. And I don't think it'd be, it would not be a layup for Georgia by any stretch. I think that's a, that this is, this is a Texas team that's going to be a real force to be reckoned with. And like I said, until they have some kind of hiccup or something like that, to me, they're one of the best teams in the country without question.
0: Um, y'all make sure to follow sam on twitter at sconjr jr and check out the great work he does over at the athletic trey and i are both subscribers over there y'all should be too sam big fan of your work my friend hopefully this isn't the uh, last time we get to talk thanks so much for joining us hey no problem thanks for having me guys of course there he goes thanks, sam, sam con jr once again of the athletic does a great job covering college football in the state of texas and he also covers recruiting as well A really good piece about Micah Hudson, which, you know, once again, I kind of hate because it's about Hudson committing to Texas Tech, but uh, Sam is all over the recruiting front as well here in the Lone Star State. Good conversation. And that last answer, Trey, interesting, interesting. You know, obviously if Georgia and Texas were to somehow meet up on a neutral field, we know Georgia would be the favorite, but uh, I don't think Sam's the only person in the world who thinks that uh, maybe Texas would be able to hang with the two-time defending champs.
1: I think they would. You know my stance on this. I said it on Monday. The Texas Longhorns are not only going to be a playoff team, they're going to win it all this year. Am I probably going to look stupid saying that at some point this regular season? Yeah, probably. But that's what I am seeing with my eyeballs right now, that this roster is good enough to win it all, and I think they have a sort of mental determination too that has been flat-out absent from this program far too often over the last 14 years. So now it's up to these guys to stay focused week in and week out. Listen to what their coaches are telling them. Their coaches are putting them in positions to make plays, regardless of the opponent on both sides of the ball or all three facets of the game. If you want to count special teams and if they're able to do that, I don't think they lose more than one game in the regular season or perhaps in the big 12 championship game. And if that's the case, and they are 100% for certain in the college football playoff this year.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, you don't need Texas football to make you look stupid. You do a pretty good job of that on your own, my friend. Yep.
1: That's what my kids always tell me, BK. <laughs> I,
0: just, I hope you're not sounding stupid on Saturday night. For the love of God, when you're doing postgame, I, I hope you're not looking or sounding stupid on that one.
1: I can't make any promises, BK. Sometimes when you douse yourself with that burn orange
0: Kool-Aid, it doesn't always look great on the other end. You definitely looks stupid doing that. There's, there's no way around it. Hey, let's give some love to some of our sponsors. How about a recorded spot from our guy, Tom McKay, in audio-visual consultations. <laughs>
3: This is Tom McKay with audio-visual consultations. And Camilla McKay. Kid, what time is it? Oh, man, it's back to sports time. The hockey and football seasons are upon us. And baseball is winding down to the best part. And what about basketball season? I'm 5'2". Who the hell cares about basketball? Yeah, we're talking about watching, not playing. And in that case, you've got everyone covered, right? That's right. Audio-visual consultations have been providing awesome systems and service throughout Texas for over 30 years. Installing home entertainment systems and livening up restaurants with incredible... Audio and video systems. We're talking multi-screen video walls and home entertainment that puts you in the best seat in the stadium. Just give us a call at 512-255-8678. Hey, aren't you forgetting something? Oh yeah, I almost forgot. Hug your kids until they beg you to stop, watch a game with your friends, and make love to whoever the hell you want. Just give us a call at 512-255-8678 or visit us at avconsultations.com. Go Stars! Go Bruins! Kid.
0: Come on, kid. Shout out to AV Consultations for their great partnership with us. Shout out to the Altstadt Brewery for their great partnership with us. Big fan of Altstadt beer. I'll be drinking some stats with some of the Altstadt crew a little bit later today. Working on getting some remote broadcasts set up for you people. That's right. Texas Sports Unfiltered on the go. Coming to a bar near you. Thanks to our friends at Altstadt Beer for making that happen. And thanks to our friends at Altstadt Beer for making awesome beer. I've heard you stocked with it. Hopefully yours is, too. Weekend's almost upon us. Once again, get ready for the weekend. Get ready for another weekend of football with the greatness of Old Stat Beer. No impurities. No regrets. All right. What should we get into next? Should we get into um, Aaron Rodgers thinking that he's God Yeah, because
1: there's a couple of little NFL things here and there. I don't think there's anything that's going to take us all the way to where we at. But yeah, let's start with Aaron Rodgers and his God complex and his attempt to thank people.
0: Yeah, we can get into the Urban Meyer stuff in a little bit. But Aaron Rodgers, as everybody knows by now, is out for the season with a torn Achilles suffered in that Monday night football game against the Buffalo Bills. How about 75 seconds That was as long as Aaron Rodgers lasted as a new York Jet. Times 75 seconds is impressive, but I don't think that was a very impressive showing for Aaron Rodgers in his first game with his new team. He took to Instagram for his first, I guess, official comments, if we call social media official comments these days, since the injury diagnosis, and here's what he said. Thank you to every person that has reached out, Called, texted, DM'd, connected through a friend, etc. It has meant a ton to me, and I'll try to get back to all of you soon. And a teary eyed emoji and then a heart emoji. Didn't Peck Rogers is an emoji guy, but there you go. I'm completely heartbroken and moving through all of the emotions, but deeply touched and humbled by the support and love. Broken heart emoji. Please keep me in your thoughts and prayers as I begin the healing process today. Prayers emoji. Infinity emoji, heart emoji. The night is darkest before the dawn, and I shall rise yet again. Proud of my guys, 1 and 0. Oh. The night is darkest before the dawn, and I shall rise yet again. Who does this guy think he is, Trey? David Koresh? <laughs>
1: i totally sure. By the way, can I ask a question on the last couple of symbols slash, well, I guess it's just symbols that he used to finish off this email. Okay. So he put a jet after 1-0, and o, so that signifies the jets. What the hell is the hashtag for?
0: Oh, yeah, it's like he meant to add a hashtag at the end. Yeah, those were the emojis I didn't mention. Proud of my guys, 1-0, a jet emoji, and then, yeah, just a hashtag. Is that like an inside joke, or did you forget to add a word after that pound sign?
1: You know, sometimes, speaking of the night is darkest before the dawn and I shall rise yet again, sometimes you try a little bit hard to show a depth of character and you just sound like a colossal, a colossal douchebag in the process. And it's almost like Aaron Rodgers can't help himself, BK. Like, I was defending him a couple of years ago when people were getting on him for not taking the vaccine. Now, I think that he was deceptive initially when he talked about it, And I hammered him for that one. But ultimately, it was important to allow individuals to make their own medical choices there. But he just, like anytime he builds up the tiniest bit of goodwill, he's like quarterback Tom Herman. He figures out a way to just completely shit on it and allow everybody to remember exactly who and what Aaron Rodgers is. So he suffers this injury on Monday night and everybody feels terrible. It's like, yeah, consensus. We all know that. Football is more enjoyable when Aaron Rodgers is a quarterback, either for the Packers up to this year or now with the Jets and all the potential that they had. And then he comes across sounding like a cult leader who is about to uh, tell everybody to drink that, I don't know if it's dark green now or jello green. I don't know what what you call that Jets green. That, uh, that green Kool-Aid and to trust him on where that's going to be taking everybody over the next hour or
0: so. Hey, he's fitting in perfectly with that Jets fan base he's telling them next year is our year and they've been hearing that and believing that for decades up there in New York and New Jersey so Rodgers is fitting in perfectly yeah no it's not going to happen this year but next year it'll happen that's what the uh, Jets fans always say and yeah I mean uh, nobody loves Aaron Rodgers more than Aaron Rodgers loves Aaron Rodgers I mean this guy is look I respect the hell out of him as a football player and a lot of things he does off the field, I agree with a lot of things he does off the field. I disagree with, but he's a huge douche. Uh, anyone who argues against that, I think is, is just wrong. Um, and this is a very douchey thing to say. I shall, what, what are you, Jesus? I shall rise again. You, I, is he going to drop an I am risen when he uh, steps back on the field next season? I mean, golly, egotistical maniac, dude. Come
1: on. Aaron Aaron three sixteen. That's his next line of Nike Aaron Rodgers products coming out.
0: I guess so. And then I don't know what the hashtag is. Jet pound. Maybe it's a pound sign. Pounding jets. Jets pound. I'm gonna pound somebody now that I'm hurt. I don't know what he's going for with that uh, with that thing at the end. Ooh, jet pound. Maybe he and whoever his
1: current girlfriend is are going to join the mile high club. Now oh. that
0: he's extra time during the season. Maybe that's it. Well, how many drugs is Aaron Rodgers about to do over these next 12 months while he's rehabbing? I
1: think he's going to do a lot of herbal supplements and there will certainly be some psychedelics thrown in there too, to have him or to help him with the psychological side of things. I don't know. I don't know how much faith he's going to put into Western medicine though. Like we may get three months down the road and Aaron is like, no, I'm doing this natural protocol to try and fix my ruptured Achilles. I actually know somebody who tried to go this route in the past. And a year later he was still limping around. It's like, yeah, how's that all natural protocol going and helping to repair your ruptured Achilles. Mm. You admit that it wasn't very good, but Aaron could go
0: that route. Oh my God. Well, I've been really confident that Aaron Rodgers was going to be able to recover from this and was going to play football again next season. But now that you plant that thought into my head, I'm not that sure. Because you're right. If any if any athlete thinks they know more than doctors, it's Aaron Rodgers. If any athlete believes like they have some alternate way to cure themselves from either an illness or an injury, it's Aaron Rodgers. So if anyone's going to do what your friend did, it's going to be Aaron Rodgers.
1: Yeah. And look, with some things, there are different ways to try and treat it. And a lot of times with illnesses, that starts with leading a healthier lifestyle and not dealing with multiple comorbidities, which puts you at greater risk for, uh, not just getting sick, but staying sick once that happens. But when you're talking about something like a torn ACL or a ruptured Achilles or something that necessitates Tommy John surgery, what is it? A torn UCL like you need to you need to put a little bit more faith in the uh, the medical establishment with something like that because that's not as easy as the old bucky godbolt belief of just saying i never had the flu over and over again and you won't get the flu you can't say i still have an achilles i still have an achilles And just expect that to heal up on its own.
0: Maybe if I just keep saying that I'll never tear my Achilles, then I won't tear my Achilles. It has worked for the buck. He has never had the flu. He did have COVID a couple of times. Some would argue maybe that is the flu. But he has never had the flu. Well, I will argue that you won't tear your Achilles
1: because you're not doing anything anywhere close to physically active enough to tear your Achilles.
0: Dude, the way I'm trending, I might tear my Achilles getting out of bed in the morning, all right? Even that shit is starting to hurt. So, I'm, Wait, are you starting to break down like that? Dude, I, it's my back, my shoulder. I, I'm like CJ Baxter, man. My rib, ankle, <laughs> shoulder, everything is off. Everything's hurt. I don't do anything anymore. Yeah. I like, I had, oh, my God, I had the deadbolt on my apartment door because I put the deadbolt on before I go to bed every night. And I had it on for like 40 hours, which means I didn't even walk outside my apartment for a 40-hour stretch. like, I'm not doing shit.
1: Dude, you're close to vampire level with sh- that sort of thing. You got to get outside a little bit, man. Walk around the complex, if nothing else. You have to move your bones. It is that use it or lose it bit. That is the case for your body, your mind, your soul. It is important that you get out a little bit. I know you've got an insane amount of work for Texas Sports Unfiltered. I have a lot of work, and it pales in comparison to what it is that you're doing each and every day. But it's important for you for that work to also get out and go on some walks and maybe do some resistance training a couple times a week.
0: Yeah, I don't have a soul. I've never had one of those, so not worried about that. My mind was lost a long time ago, so I guess we got to worry about the body a little bit, but... I don't know. I don't want to do that. Working out sucks, man. It's not fun. Nobody actually likes doing that, right? They just pretend to.
1: No, you got to find the sort of workout that you enjoy. And also the overall feel after the fact too. It may feel like labor the first couple of times. And then you realize how energized you are and how focused and just how you feel so much better about everything because you're pushing your body a little bit because you push your body and it may hurt temporarily but it also makes you stronger and more resilient to that similar level of work the next time.
0: I've never had that feeling, man. People always talk about that, like the runner's high or the workout high or whatever. That's a crock of BS, dude. That is a country crock of BS right there. I've never been like, yeah, I'm proud I pushed myself today. I've always been like, this sucks. Why did I not just sit on the couch and rewatch Texas, Alabama for the 14th time?
1: just a giant tub of butter huh look it's my belief is that it's because you haven't found the right thing just yet and everybody has their thing because i'm with you fuck running i despise running it is so pointless but you throw a ball into the equation all of a sudden i'm a little bit more inclined to want to run after that ball it doesn't feel like work you get the competitive juices flowing there's successes and failures there. Oftentimes, a lot more failures for me when I'm chasing after a ball, but that's where I really enjoy the whole workout process. I do also like strength training too, but yeah, fuck running. Now, having said that, anybody who likes to run, good for you. It is something that you enjoy. It helps you a little bit physically, although there are also some serious negatives too. But I think more than anything else, people who are avid runners, it really helps for them mentally. A lot of anxious, and even some depressed people, they do get that runner's high, which is all interconnected to the cannabinoid system. Believe it or not, that is within all of us. And because of that, they see running as a valuable tool to help them uh, do a better job of going through their day-to-day lives too. Cannibal system?
0: What do you? What is that?
1: Cannabinoid system. You hear about cannabinoids through CBD. Uh, because there are different strains of CBD that can help with various things. But what they're doing is they're actually tapping into your internal cannabinoid system. God damn it, I sound like Aaron Rodgers right now.
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: uh, Doc not- Trey <laughs> will
0: rise again.
1: We're not going to go any further other than for me to uh, to tell you and everybody on the YouTube comments line right now and listening through the app to uh, to take I'm going to steal Bill Hicks bit here. Take that gummy that I have taped below your seat, put it in your mouth, and let's get ready for a ride. I promise you, where we're about to go is better than where we are right now.
0: (laughs) I don't have shit under my seat. I want a refund, dude. I was really hoping I had something under there. I thought you came over and hooked me up with something. Some cannibalism or some cannabis or canna-something, but no.
1: Oh, some of you will get cannibalized after you take that gummy and find your way to the afterlife, because at that point, it's it's uh, humanely harvested human that I have access to. Oh,
0: my God. All right. I'm keeping the deadbolt on my place for uh, a little while <laughs> longer. Uh, before we get to where we added society and talk about one of our newest sponsors, which we're super excited about, I want to tell you all about our friends at Covert Bee Cave tomorrow. Trey, I think we're doing our show out there at Cobra B Cave tomorrow. Are you along for the ride for that? That's the plan. Very good. Trey and I will be doing our show live from 12 to 1. But more importantly, Texas Sports Unfiltered will be there with legendary Lifetime Longhorn and 2005 national champion Casey Studdard. That's right. It starts at 1130. Free lunch will be provided by our friends at Smoky Moe's Barbecue and Verde's Mexican Paria. Casey's going to be there taking pictures, signing autographs, and talking some Texas Longhorn football. And if we get 40 people out there tomorrow, I'll have something to give away to uh, one lucky person as well. I'm going to keep it in my backpack, and if 40 of you all show up, someone's going to be walking out there with a prize. But, hey, regardless, plenty of reasons to come see us. The Buck will be out there, of course. Uh, Fire the Cannon will be out there. Megan and Rocky told me that they're going to be showing up. It should be a ton of fun. Texas football conversation, free lunch, get your weekend, get your game day weekend. And if you're a member of the tribe like me, get your New Year's weekend started with uh, a good time at Covert Bee Cave tomorrow at 1130. When is Jewish New Year? This weekend. Mm. Saturday and Sunday. I'll be spending uh, a lot of time at Temple on both of those days.
1: There are lots of Jello shots happening at Temple in celebration of Jewish New Year.
0: No, apples and honey is kind of uh, our bid for this holiday. Does The sweetness of the new year. Does it require you to abstain from food at
1: all? That tends to be a commonality with the Jewish holidays. That is
0: next weekend's holiday, Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. That one will be next Sunday. So instead of getting to watch a weekend of NFL football, I will be in the temple not eating, not drinking and atoning a lot because i have a lot of that to do every year all right thanks to cover bk come see us tomorrow and we'll play the where are we at sounder before we tell you about our newest sponsor for this show and for this segment so as we do at twelve fifty each and every day on trey and bk it is now time for where
2: are we at in society today
1: That's right, BK. It is your daily look at stories that show we as a people are headed in the wrong direction. Occasionally, I will provide a story that gives a sense of optimism. that has us all saying to ourselves, hey, maybe we are getting something right. I'm not sure which direction today's story is going to go. So you'll just have to wait for a minute to find out what we're about to discuss. Before that, though, I need to very excitedly tell folks about the newest sponsor here at Texas Sports Unfiltered, who also is sponsoring Where We At in Society. That would be our friend Cooter, a.k.a. Steve. He is a great dude, and he is the owner and operator of Pest Wranglers. Pest Wranglers is a locally owned small family business. It's been around since 2006, started by a guy who is tired of companies that don't appreciate their customers and employees and basically treat them like dog shit. Steve puts a heavy emphasis on making sure that everybody who is a part of this process is happy. And let me tell you, that makes a huge difference. Love to have your business as well. If you're throughout central Texas, go to pestwranglers.com to see everything that pest wranglers can do for you. And then once you decide on that service, you're going to give them a call through the phone number listed on the website. Thank you so much to Steve and pest wranglers for becoming a part of the Texas Sports Unfiltered family.
0: Absolutely. Thrilled to have those guys on board. Check them out at pestwranglers.com. Don't just take our word for it. They've got five-star reviews everywhere. Tons of positive testimonials. If you've got rodents or creepy crawlies or stuff that you just don't want in your home or place of business, uh, give the Pest Wranglers a call. They will take care of it for you.
1: Okay, BK, so we're going to... Detroit for today's Where Are We At story? Bad start. I know. Well, it's a bad start, but God damn it. I can't help but to like this Detroit Lions football team, including guys that I've hated in the past because they're annoying cheap shot artists who I think play the game in a terrible way. But I have to laugh at a recent move by CJ Gardner Johnson and him encouraging lions fans to follow suit have you seen this story that really started i guess last uh last thursday night and has continued into this week now yeah okay so cj gardner johnson by the way you agree with me he is a real piece of shit as far as a defensive back is concerned it started with the new orleans saints and it was also on display at times last year with the philadelphia eagles
0: yeah, I hated him, and then he dunked on Philly fans this offseason, and I kind of started liking him because of it. But, uh, yeah, he's a hard hitter who sometimes plays a little after the whistle and sometimes goes a little bit below the belt. Sure.
1: So have you seen the video of how C.J. Gardner-Johnson walked out on the field at Arrowhead last Thursday before the Lions upset the Kansas City Chiefs?
0: Uh, ski mask?
1: Blue ski mask. Essentially saying, we're about to jack you, motherfuckers. No, he was not wrong. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So Gardner Johnson was talking to reporters yesterday, I guess, and they asked him if he was going to do that again before this weekend's game against the Seattle Seahawks, which is the Lions' first home game at Ford Field. His response is, you're going to see it on Sunday, blue ski masks everywhere. He then took to social media to encourage fans to follow along with the ski mask look. CJ Johnson or CJ Gardner-Johnson on Twitter, quote, if you if you gone have a ski mask Sunday, quote this. And so far BK, I guess the uh, the retweets show how many people have the mask, 684 people have retweeted it already. So uh, some people are concerned about this because it's not the greatest look necessarily. It's like it's encouraging uh, some sort of carjacking or general robbery. I think it's amusing, though. I don't think that uh, people are all of a sudden going to be more encouraged to wear ski masks and try and rob others. Well, unless you're already doing so in a Chicago or San Francisco or New York or uh, pick a cesspool on the West Coast or up north right now that is trying way too hard to uh, avoid prosecuting people for crimes. But C.J. Gardner-Johnson is doing nothing wrong here. If anything, this is one of those Dan Campbell asking for a live lion on the sideline moves that the league or the franchise may ultimately put a stop to. But especially because you're asking fans to do this, this is a trend that is about to take off in Detroit.
0: What is this, the purge? You can't can't do this. You'd be on a purge, right? Of course I'd be on a purge. But... If you're a concession worker working at Ford Field on Sunday and someone walks up to you in a ski mask, you're going to be thinking the worst, right? That's terrifying. There are going to be people trying to commit crimes because, oh, shit, there's 20,000 people wearing a ski mask. They're not going to know that it's me. I can give it away with whatever I want. I'm stealing these nachos.
1: I would like to think, and boy, this is probably foolish of me, but I would like to think that people would show enough courtesy to where they're not pulling that sort of stuff Oh. at their field that they're taking the mask off because it's a, an annoying thing to have to deal with
0: too by the way you ever put pantyhose over your head like you're about to go rob a bank no i usually go with the uh ski mask or just like four covid masks attached together to uh to get away with that
3: <laughs>
1: it's the covid episode here on midday with trey and bk it's
0: back We're- baby
1: You know what? Maybe we should try and do this tomorrow. Maybe we should each try and put a pantyhose on our head just to see how uncomfortable that is. Hopefully, because the ski mask is also uncomfortable. You don't have the eyes cut out. There's no mouth hole or anything. So when you're not rooting the team on from the stands, you're pulling the mask up and just showing your face when you're going to get concessions and things like that.
0: A couple of low-hanging fruit jokes here. Uh, The average Detroit resident does not have to buy a ski mask. They've surely got one lying around at home. And I guess this is an upgrade, right? They're used to wearing uh, paper bags over their heads at Lions games. So this is a little more comfortable than that. It's a new era. But I also, I don't I don't get this. Like, I feel like everyone is rooting for the Lions. They're not villains. Like, everybody wants the Lions to do well, right? Like Unless you're a fan of the Bears or the Vikings or the Packers. Like, I feel like the Lions have kind of become just America's sweetheart for this year. Yeah, this, this isn't about
1: that. This is about a mentality of we're about to come into your stadium or you're about to come into our stadium. We're going to jack your asses. No. Like this is get, them getting into that fighter's mindset, and it takes different forms based on the team that you're a part of. But this is one that I think will get shut down by somebody. I don't know who. I don't know if it's going to be the Lions of the league that says, nope, this is flat out not okay C.J. Gardner-Johnson, if you continue to do this, you are going to get fined. So he'll stop doing so, but the snowball has, has started going down the hill. Expect to see a boatload of blue masks at Lions games this year. Man. It'll start in kind of this Sunday, and it'll just be more and more and more people. Maybe there's a point in the game where you're doing it, like kickoffs or something, and then you're taking the mask off to cheer your team on. But they need to figure out a way to coordinate this Maybe talk to the fine people at Texas A&M and see about getting coordinated cheers going. But figure out times at various points in the game where it can just be this massive distraction for the opposition. Are you
0: hearing this? Hearing what? I guess it's not playing. I was playing the purge siren in the background. I guess I can't play audio off my computer and you hear it. That's what what it's going to be.
1: What is the first thing that you would do... If you were to take part in a purge, I was surprised at how quickly you uh, you volunteered yourself for this social experiment.
0: What a shame. We're running out of time on today's show. Wow, that sucks. I got to give some love to one of our sponsors and maybe steal a bunch of free Olipop, actually. No, nah, I wouldn't do that. I would support these guys. I buy their stuff. I love their stuff. It's awesome. Please don't say you're going to steal a car from coverts when you start your burn. Good uh, Lord. I'm going to rob banks and then give a bunch of money to all of our sponsors. How about that? (laughs) You like that? Rob from the rich and give to our sponsors. I think that's what uh, Hood Robin did or whatever that guy's name is. Uh, Olipop, the newest soda in the game. And they've done something that no soda before has ever done. They've made a healthy soda. That actually tastes good. This isn't like crap health food that you're going to hate and like, ah, oh, God, I'll drink it because it's healthy, but it sucks. No, Olipop is great soda. All of the flavors you grew up sipping, cola, root beer, cream soda, lemon, lime, they've got it all, and it's good for you. Nine grams of fiber in every can, only two to five grams of sugar in every can. This helps with digestive support. I'm telling you, it's a great tasting soda that's actually good for you. Thanks to Olipop for their sponsorship of us here on texas sports unfiltered and thanks to all of our great sponsors for partnering with us at tsu we are super grateful for them trey and i will be back tomorrow from 12 to 1 at covert bk make sure you come see us Trey. hey
1: bk real quick before we hand things off to chip and zay doing three to five today I think I'm going to call that time slot Longhorn Misfits when I'm a part of it. No KD today. He's got something new going on this week, so we're cutting him a break here. Bucky will join me for the first hour of 3 to 5, so from 3 to 4. it's I think our first chance to actually do this together as part of Texas Sports Unfiltered, so I'm excited about that. Also talking with Alex Taylor. He covers the Wyoming football team. For the paper in Wyoming that I don't have in front of me, so I'm going to call it the Wyoming Star Gazette. Uh, so we're going to get his perspective on things, and then in the latter part of today's three to five, I have a really good conversation with stand-up comedian Sam Talent, who is going to be headlining at Joe Rogan's Comedy Mothership this weekend. So stay tuned for all of that.
0: Yes, stay tuned. The Wyoming American Statesman, I believe, is uh, is what they call it. All right. We're done. Trey will be back at 3. Y'all will see me tomorrow with the buck at 8. But coming up right now, Chip Brown, Zay Collier with Chip and Zay. Gentlemen, take it away.